Alright, good evening. It is good to see you here, those who are here present with us and those online. We're happy that you've come and look forward to uh, studying and finishing this series of uh, Falling in Love with Jesus. And now we are closing out with John chapter 15. So we started that. We're going to go back to John 15. And I want us to spend time thinking about John 15. I think it's uh, maybe maybe a chapter we could call um, the great humbling. You know, it's uh, God is not trying to humble us, but to remind us and to give us purpose and even shows his humility in John 15. So I want to look at verse 2 and I want you to think about that every person is independently accountable to God. So it's not always, we know that the congregation is accountable, but every individual member of the congregation is accountable to God equally. And Jesus says in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. So you have in the church, you have those who bear fruit and the great pruning of God. And you have those that bear no fruit. And God takes them away according to the text. And so two, if you will, opposites opposite extremes in service to our Lord Jesus. Verse 8 says, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so when someone says, Well, you know, we don't have to work our way, um, if you will, in Christianity. It's all about faith and not about works. And yet you read verse 8, and verse 8 makes it clear, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That's work, right? The Father is glorified when church members work. When we're not working, He is not glorified. That's the converse of this particular text. Individuals, right? Individuals collectively as a, as a team, but individuals are accountable to God. And then verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So, this context is talking about individual fruit. So, bearing fruit or not bearing fruit. And so, every day, we ought to take an inventory and ask ourselves, am I bearing fruit for Jesus? Today, have I bore fruit for Jesus? Now, there's a very important reason that we ask this question because this immediate application applies to the apostles, right? The disciples. But then the, the broader sense of the verse, as the apostles later share this information with us, it applies to us individually, independently, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Am I abiding in the Lord? Tonight we're going to talk a lot about, I want you to think about abiding. We're going to look at the plea from God to abide, the encouragement to abide, and everything about the idea of, of abiding in me. But John, before he gets to this idea 
of abiding by way of inspiration, he speaks of truth. Right back to truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember that was John 14. And now he comes right back to truth, but he says it in a different way. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So, back to truth. And we know when we look at truth, we're thinking of the opposite of, of, of falsehood. Right? In Rome, Rome is full of falsities or false teachings. And the, the Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes would be like false shepherds who are leading the people in a false way as they executed our Lord and Savior with the Romans. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And in other words, I am the only, I am the only vine, the one and only truth. And so truth is not something that is subjective, but objective. And then when you think of opposing this truth, many have been deceivers, right? They have shown uh, God's people the false way. Think about Mars Hill, you know, thousands of gods up there. Think about the Romans and, and all the ideas that they brought into uh, religion and how they kind of encompassed all evil, if you will. They encompassed every religious philosophy and idea and thought and how wrong they were. They have been leading people in the false way, away from Jesus. Even when Pilate um, questioned Jesus, what else could he say? But I find no fault. But then he asked the question of Jesus, what is truth? Because they people were so, so mixed up in this, in this day. False shepherds, a false vine, false evidence, if you will, false truth, a false door, a false source of life, the false source of salvation. Think about the, the Romans that would say, well, we have the power of life and death. And in reality, they didn't have that power. But that idea of follow me and I will give you life or surrender your your will to the will of, of, of uh, the emperor and you will live. And that was false life. It was also false life in the world of entertainment. You know, um, come and do what we do. You know, even the idea, when in Rome, do as the Romans, right? Falsities. Jesus says, I am the only way. I am the true way. And every individual is independently responsible for our own choices, decisions, and actions. What about the pruning? Jesus, the true vine, there is no other. And the Father is the husbandman or the vine dresser, right? He cares for, upkeeps, takes care of this true vine. In verse 1 and 2, John 15, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. So the the vine dresser tends to the vine. Did, Did the Father... And the Holy Spirit tend to Jesus 
while he was on the earth. Yeah, right. He he helped him. Remember in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, uh, the temptation of Jesus, and, and now he's worn out after fasting 40 days and 40 nights and battling against Satan. And then God sent angels out to to help him, to strengthen him. Without the pruning, here's what's amazing. Without the pruning of God, when you think of, uh, of pruning vines, without the pruning, we miss out on God's highest good for us. You know, God's highest blessing. And, and, you know, what do I mean when I say that? Am I talking about like, like this, these people do have done so many works and so therefore they have a special, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you open your heart completely up to God, God can work more with you than when you only give God a little bit of your heart, right? And so God's highest good, all the spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, nothing withheld, nothing, nothing kept from you, God can really work on us if we will allow him to. But, you know, the comfort for many of us is to only allow God in, but so much. Right? You let him in too much, and, well, yeah, then there are these expectations, and, and there, there may, maybe there's a little more suffering, maybe. Um, maybe there are a few more trials, and then again, maybe not. Maybe there's just an extra workload that's applied to me. And, and you know, wh- whatever it may be, there's always something in the lives of Christians, a lot of Christians, that holds us back and keeps us from just opening ourselves up, turning over like an, an armadillo, show God your, your ex- you know, expose yourself to God. Give your heart, give everything to God. We sing that song, you know, all of the, and I guess it ends with all of the, and none of me. And I wonder how many of us should sing that song. You know, should we stop at some of the, you know, and then just, just let others sing the rest? I mean, do we actually mean the words that we sing to God when we think about that? Maybe we ought not sing that song at all. You know, or maybe, or maybe we ought to take a really good inventory of our lives and ask, have I opened myself up to God? And if not, what, what can I do? Uh, to get there. I want to, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12 for just a moment. So, to produce an, an abundance of harvest in the vineyard, here's what has to happen. Some pruning has to happen. Now the bad branches, I'll come back to this in the end. The bad ones, he says, I just throw them away. But, but the ones that have whether it be potential, I'm just going to say, the ones that open themselves up and allow God to work in their lives, these are the ones that, that God prunes. And pruning is, uh, is absolutely necessary for the, the, the I guess, the, the, the growth of the vine. For the vine, if you will, the branches to really grow, some things have to happen. Those things that impede our spiritual growth, they need to be kind of, they need to be plucked away, right? They, they need to be broken off, those branches, those, those, those pieces of us, those parts of us that are holding us back, they, they need to go away. And, and the question sometimes that I will ask myself is, well, why haven't I made it go away? Well, because I, I'm not the one that really is able to do it. I need God to do it in me, right? Right? 
I need God to do it in me. I need to put forth the effort to make it happen. I need to open myself up to God and say, God, use me. God, help me. And then I need to do my work, but I need God to perfect that work in me. To remove the bad stuff that I'm trying to get rid of. But only God can really truly get rid of it for me. I work at it, and I work at it. And the humbling that I was talking about earlier is it's the prayer life of the Christian. The, The begging of the Father to help me. But that takes humbling. That's, instead of getting to our, our very bottom, if you will, to, to beg God, please, Lord, help me. And when you're really trying hard, you say, dear God, help me. And sometimes it, it takes us getting really, really low to humble ourselves to say, dear God, help me. And you know what's beautiful about the Bible? The Bible's like a, it's like a, 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 a coach's handbook. You know, uh, when, when you're struggling and, and you don't think you can go on, the coach comes along and pats you on the back and, and, you know, helps you out, stands you up on your feet and says, come on, we can do it one more day. And I was like, okay. I, I want to give you a quick, a quick funny, um, I remember, uh, being in this, in this, um, this boxing match and, and I remember going into the boxing match. This is really funny. Was <laughs> funny. It was funny to me. Um, and it, and it shouldn't have been funny because I was gonna, I had to fight the fight. Um, I had to fight this really, I mean, it was number six in the nation and I wasn't ranked, a ranked fighter this time. And so, you know, I was like, okay. And my coach looks at me and he says, good luck. <laughs> I thought, well, that's probably not what you're supposed to say. <laughs> uh, now, a gentleman that was supposed to fight him, that didn't fight him, looks at me and says, man, I'm glad it was you and not me. And I thought, this is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, I lost that fight. I lost it because my mind, my mind wasn't into it. I had, I was defeated. But see, God doesn't talk to us in that way. God doesn't say good luck because to God there is no luck. God says, I'm with you. Right? God says, you will. God says, you can. God says, Satan may look strong, but I'm stronger. God says, stand up. I've got you. Right? So when it comes to this pruning, we're thankful to God. It hurts a little bit. Sometimes it hurts an awful lot. But it's very necessary. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, in verse uh, verse 1, cutting away, therefore, since we have... So great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I wonder in this verse, when I'm reading it, you know, here we are, these track stars, and we're on the, we're on the, uh, the track, and we're ready to run. And God looks at us and says, you know, I'm so happy you're here. You showed up. And I know you're going to do great but I need you to take me with you. And in order for me to go with you, I need you to do something. And he said, well, well, Lord, all right, whatever you want, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, you see that heavy weight you're carrying? The thing that's encumbering you? Yeah, Lord, I've got a shackle to my ankles right now. I'm ready. He goes, you can't win the race like that. you got to let that go. Right? That heavy burden that you're bearing, I need you to let that go. 
I need you to come to me and give your life to me. I need you to repent and get your life spiritually in tune. I need you to let me help you. And I will. And I'm there. And I'm ready. And I'm able. How about you? And then sometimes we say, Okay, Lord, but, but, but first, right? And then we give them the reasons why we have to wait to unshackle ourselves. And then other times, we give it over to him. But then you go back and you read the heroes of faith who were not always so faithful, right? But in these particular instances, they were. You have to humble yourself and say, thank you, God, for this example of these great men. And then we say, I am not, I am nothing like them. And God says, I know, but I am greater than them all. You can, you will, you're able, because I'm able. And so this surrendering of our lives to God to allow this pruning process to help us, uh, to help us along the way, to take the dead wood that is never gonna, it's not coming back to life. It's not good for us to let God cut away at that dead wood that I'm holding on to, that maybe I'm, I'm shackled to, so that in due season, that branch, I can finally do that thing of those things that God has asked me to. And, and when it's time, the wood that has been carved away, the me now, I heal. God heals the wound and gets me ready for the battle that is before me. Sin has to go away. It just has to. And, and this is the, the joy in Christ to, to recognize that, that I know it has to go away. And here's something else I know. I know that I'm not strong enough to do it on my own. And you don't have to. <laughs> we just let God, we open our hearts, and we allow God to work on us, to prune us, to transform us, to change us. And this pruning, it, it, it enhances our production, right? Just, I mean, let it go. Let, you know, you know, it's like the way the preacher lets it go. He, he has it and he says, God, you got it. Got to put it in a very visible spot because I got to come back and get it. <laughs> and then, you know, you stay close to it because you never know when you want it back. Right? But when God says let it go, he wants you to get rid of it completely, entirely. Let it go. Isn't that so hard? Have you ever been there before? Where you have to let it go? And you're in the middle of something. And you're like, well, I can't just let this go. <laughs> uh, but that's what God demands of us. To make us better. To transform us. To save us. To help us in our servitude. To make us more able and to make us more spiritual minded. Right? More spiritual minded. 
more of thee and less, less of me. So here's the great point. Uh, back to John, please. Back to John chapter 15. Here's the greatest, I'm not going to say it's the greatest, it's not the greatest point in the Bible regarding man's relationship to God. Because salvation and all of that is, is very important, it's at the forefront. But once you become a child of God, once you become a Christian, this is, this is one of the greatest, most profound and powerful statements that, that we'll ever, that we'll ever read about. Without Christ, there is no spiritual life. Without Christ, there is no hope of an eternal reward, heaven. Without Christ, without Christ, we can do absolutely nothing for God. Now that just doesn't even sound right. But that's exactly what Jesus tells us. So listen to John 15, verse 3 and 4. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Think about what he's saying. Wait, Wait a minute. Let's, ab, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch, as put your name in there, as Tony cannot bear fruit of himself. You cannot. But Lord, the other day someone said, you know, he's a good guy. Jesus says, call no man good. You can do nothing, Tony Cloud, without Jesus Christ. Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. A branch cannot survive without the vine. They are branches in my yard. They are dead. They are not, they are not attached to a vine. They are not, they are dead branches in the yard just hanging around. It can do nothing. And that's what we are without Jesus. Perhaps until we truly recognize the, the truth of this statement, the power of this statement, the pruning doesn't go as deeply as it ought to because the heart is not open enough to allow God in to do the work that he desires to do for us and on us. If we are not abiding in God, we cannot bear fruit for God. Remember, this is the true vine speaking to us. The true vine says, I am your source. Without God, you have no source. Without me, you have no source. I am it. There is no other. I am the only way. There is no other way. Abide in Jesus. So here's this other side of Jesus. Now he makes this statement and he says, I need you to understand something. You can do 
Absolutely nothing without me. I'll come back to that in a moment. But then comes the humbling side of Jesus, where Jesus, in in different ways, appeals to us to abide, to abide in Him, to stay with the Lord. Think about that for just a moment. Think about how, as as we are in Christ, that that so many we look around, you know, on Sunday morning, a huge crowd in here, and then you look around, and, and then maybe twenty years from now, what will happen to the crowd? Someone told me when I was uh, a few years ago that they went on a, on a vacation in the lower forty eight, and they traveled to every congregation that they once attended as children growing up. And they were appalled, amazed. Because those congregations that were 230 and some of them were 400 members, etc. All, each of them have dwindled down to like 20 to 60 members. Some of them are non-existent. What happened? What happened to those souls? Well, you know, we'll never find that answer out. But what Jesus is praying us to do, asking us to do, He's pleading with us. Stay the course. Don't leave God. Because once we leave God, we'll find this emptiness because it's absolutely impossible to do works for the Father if we depart from the Son. So, stay with me. Jesus says, stay with me. Let's look at the word Abide. So John 15 and verse 4. He says, Abide in me. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it bears, excuse me, abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Three times. Three times in that one verse, he says, in essence, stay with me, church. Stay with me, individual branch. Stay with me. Stay with me. Three times in that one verse. And then, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who stays with me, abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I need you to abide in me. Stay with me, church. When you watch the the EMTs in a life-death situation, or you're out on a battlefield, or the military, wherever you are, in a, in a moment of shock, right? Where, where there's someone who, who's in a state of, sh- going into a state of shock because of a tremendous injury. And what are we supposed to say? Stay with me. Don't go to sleep. Stay with me. You're going to be all right. Stay with me. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. Stay with me. Stay with me. Abide in me. Hold on to Jesus. Don't let Jesus go. Look at it again, verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I also 
love you. Abide in me. Stay. Stay in my love. Abide in my... I love you. Abide in my love. I love you. Abide... Think about that. You ever seen, you've seen that, right? On like, on romance shows or something. Maybe you read it in a book, in a novel, and, and the one person wants to leave the relationship, and the other person doesn't, and the person says, please stay with me. I love you. And then it's this sad, romantic story. But here's real life, a reality. And Jesus is saying, I love you. Please stay with me. Can you imagine the broken heart of God? And so many members of the Lord's church who, as they were leaving, that Jesus was saying to them, please, stay with me. I love you. And Satan on the other side was saying, oh, come on, he doesn't love you. If he loved you, he'd let you do whatever you want to do. And they walked away. I pray God none of us ever leaves. Hear Jesus say, Please, please stay with me, church. Look at verse 10. He says it again. If you will keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Be like me, church. Follow me. Follow me. But Lord, we don't know how to follow you. Keep my commandments. Just keep my commandments. That's all. That's all I ask of you. And what did he say? And my load is light. My commandments are not burdensome. Oh, but Satan has a heavy load. He says, church, stay with me. Please abide in me. And and here's, here's why. When he says, I love you, the converse to this conversation is it gets really scary. It gets scary because God wants us to bear fruit. And God is patient with us. And God is willing to work with us. And God wants us to glorify Him. And then He wants to bless us in amazing ways. But He also wants us to know that there is a line. And the Father nor the Son will cross that line with us. And so it gets kind of scary because, because God tells us the honest truth. And the honest truth is, while He's begging with us and pleading with us to stay with Him, if we do not, the husbandman, the vine dresser, has an obligation to save, to save the rest. And it's in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father will take away. It's kind of scary. Because it's it's the husbandmen, it's the vine dresser's decision. Not my decision, not your decision, 
not the congregation's decision. It's the Heavenly Father's decision. And he who is patient and full of love and compassion and mercy and truth ultimately makes the decision that some Christians must be taken away to save the rest. Both sad pretty scary. How much fruit am I bearing for the Father? Am I abiding in Jesus? Remember earlier that profound statement, you can do nothing without me. And you start taking inventory of your life and you go, well, wait a minute. I did this and I did that and I did this and I did And then you say, oh, but Lord, the world, look at what the world has done. They've done this, they've done that, they've done this. But none of them in the world, no person in the world has ever brought glory to God. It's impossible. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I am in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So he says, abide in me, so that you can be a great spiritual Abide in me so that you can make it to heaven to be with God forever. Abide in me so that I can share my love and compassion for you. Abide in me because I love you so very much. Abide in me. Stay with me because I'm your God. And because if you leave me, you will never be able to bear fruit again until you come back. Pray God he doesn't. Throw that branch away. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch. and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. You know, I think about that because, you know, when the, when the snow is gone, we have to go into our yards because of the wind and the branches that have fallen. And gather all the branches up. And then pile them up somewhere and figure out what to do with them. But they're useless. They're worth nothing. They're worthless. And they just have to go away. We take them to the dump. We take them wherever facilities allow us to take them, transport them. We burn them. We break them. We abuse them. They're nothing. And here the Father says, that's exactly what you are to me. When you're outside of Jesus. See, on one hand, there's this great love the Father has for us. And then it comes into the church and there's this amazing love the Father has for us. But then there's the other side that we have to remember. The kindness and the severity of God. There's the other side where a person that doesn't stay with the Lord, that doesn't abide in Jesus, there comes a point where the Father has to make that that decision. That each of us dread. Verse 8. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we are are servants, if you will, branches of a life-giving vine. And Jesus is our 
source of life and all spiritual good. And so we find this happiness, this joy in Christ. And it's, it's God, it's the Father who assures us that, that all will be well. Right? Though you may be encumbered by various trials right now, all will be well because the disciples abide in Jesus and the Father says, I got you covered. I'm holding your hand. I'm carrying you along the way. I am your God. And so what an amazing chapter when you read it and think about the uh, the power of Jesus you know, begging us, pleading with us, encouraging us to stay with God, to abide in Jesus, to not give up your faith, to continue to remain faithful and true all the way to the end. What an amazing gift of God. The apostles practiced what what Jesus told them to, you know, save Jesus, I mean, Judas. They, they stayed true. Uh, they continued on. And you look at the scriptures and you read about their lives in historical books and you find these, these men, think about this. These men set the world on fire because of Jesus. Think about that. I mean, the whole world, Colossians says that the whole world has been preached to. I mean, these men set the whole world on fire. Twelve men. Take away Judas, 14 men, including Paul and Matthias. How? How? My man's office, 13 men. How? Because they were abiding in Jesus and not in themselves. And that is the key to our success in Christ. That's where our happiness comes from. That's where our success comes from. That's where everything in Christ comes from. It comes from our great God. And that church is how we glorify the Father by keeping the commandments of Jesus. Pretty exciting lesson. I encourage you to go back and read John uh, 15. And um, I, I have down here, uh, we're, we're going to read verse 11 through 17. And we're going to close out just, just to get the remaining portion of this contextual uh, uh, lesson from Jesus. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment. That you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father... In my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. And what a great close. Loving the Father, loving the Son, and then allowing that to translate into our love one for another. And so tonight, as we get into our devotional uh, lesson, if you have prayer requests, you can make those known. If you have the desire to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism after 
hearing his word and believing it and finding this godly sorrow in your heart, being willing to make the confession that Jesus is Lord, being baptized, immersed for the remission of your sins. If if there is something that we can do for you, that invitation and opportunity will be available to you. If you're online and you would like to surrender to Christ, contact us. Uh, we will uh, meet up with you and we will, through the power and the blessing of God, uh, get you into Christ Jesus through the waters of baptism. So thank you for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. God bless you.